We welcome you aboard to another edition of State Lines, where you get the best gambling information out there. My name is Jason Gotch. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John Spataro, on the program. And it might be March, and we know March Madness is in full swing now at the NCAA tournament right around the corner. The conference basketball tournaments are here and in focus right now. But we're going to start this program off, John, with the National Football League. And we've talked about this before on our show that it doesn't matter when we are on the real calendar. The NFL always seems to find a way to steal the news cycle from some of these other sports. And frankly, if I was running one of these other sports, I'd be a little disappointed because here we are in early to mid-March and the NFL league year is starting up. And the big story right now, the quarterbacks. Dak Prescott got a huge four-year contract, well over $100 million guaranteed money. Uh, to stay with the Dallas Cowboys. But for Bears fans who are listening to the show, the rumor mill is heating up on Russell Wilson, and, and nothing's a done deal. We're not sure about that as we tape this program. But but there's rumblings not only you know in the media and on social media, but also you look at some of the odds, and all of a sudden the Bears' odds are getting a little bit better uh, to win the Super Bowl. The odds for Russell Wilson coming to the Chicago Bears via trade with the Seahawks, uh, those are suddenly disappearing off the board. So... Uh, what do you think here, John? You think maybe there were there smoke, there's fire, and Russell Wilson could in the next few weeks, if not sooner, uh, possibly become uh, the Bears' maybe best quarterback in franchise history. Yeah, I invite everybody who's listening to state not state lines right now, and I thank everyone who listens to this program to go back to the last episode we released, which was two weeks ago. We talked about this in the infancy of this rumor, uh, where Russell Wilson had just basically put it out there into the universe that he would go to four teams, and the Bears being one of them. And I would describe our reaction last week or two weeks ago, Jason, as cautiously optimistic. I don't think any of us really believed that in two weeks' time we would get to this point where I think it's safe to say it seems seems like the Bears are the favorite to land Wilson if he does get traded. Now, you have to consider a few things whenever a story like this pops up because I think we're seeing a change in the way that news gets reported and the way that sports books are used now that they're out there, now that they're legal in a bunch of different states. They're being used as kind of telltale signs as to what's happening behind the scenes. So like Jason mentioned, up until uh, really today, Thursday, uh, March 11th, you were able to bet on which team Russell Wilson was going to play for suddenly in the last 12 hours or so those bets have been removed by bookmakers like DraftKings and FanDuel and the rest so something is suggesting that either a the bookmakers know something is going to happen and they don't want to let people take bets for either a sure thing or let people bet on a team that has no longer a chance to acquire Wilson or they're hearing some pretty you know specific news which I would believe is that the Bears are probably the the most likely destination for them maybe they don't have a deal done but but maybe the other teams have already signaled internally that they're not going to get involved in this trade discussion because we know that the price is going to be very high. The Bears are going to have to depart with some defensive players, I would guess. They're probably going to have to dump a, a superstar or a rising star like Roquan Smith, maybe Jalen Johnson, uh, maybe a combination of them both, and uh, a big contract like Akeem Hicks or Khalil Mack, maybe to just make the deal done, plus some picks, maybe even some money changing hands. It's going to be a mega deal. So maybe this is my purview maybe 
the the bookmakers know that the Bears are the only ones at the table at this point because you've heard Ryan Pace, I believe, officially say this, if not inferred this very heavily, that they were going to make a strong run at getting Wilson. And I think that means it's open season for the Seahawks and the Bears to get on the phone and just play negotiating and just get back and forth with each other uh, on deals that they would accept or they wouldn't even consider. So while I don't think that there's a deal done, I don't think that it's circulating behind the scenes in, in the DraftKings headquarters and FanDuel and all these places that a deal is in place and these guys are just telling their friends and family that they're moving and that's the holdup for this. I do believe that there this is a signal and I think Bears fans should take it this way. It's, it's becoming likely that if Russell Wilson is going to get moved, he is going to come to the Bears. That's how I'm reading this. Could be wrong, but that's how I feel when these stories t- start to break. It's not necessarily that a deal's done, but something somewhere is suggesting that nobody else is a true contender and the Bears are the only destination. And keep in mind, as we tape this show, no trades right now can be officially announced in the NFL. They can come out in the media, but they can't officially be recorded in the NFL. St. Patrick's Day is normally a day that people like to celebrate in this country and around the world. Well, for NFL fans, uh, that's a big day for them this year because that's when trades can become official in the National Football League. That's when free agent signings can become official. The tampering period where you can negotiate with players uh, starts this coming Monday. So none of this stuff, there, there's no clock right now that you've got to get it done right now and you got to announce it. No, that, that official announcements can't happen until uh, almost a week from right now, as John said, we taped this program on March 11th. But with that being said, I agree with you, John. Look, Russell Wilson already said, there's only four teams I'm going to be traded to if you're going to trade me. One's the Dallas Cowboys. They're out because they're, they signed Dak Prescott. The other's the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they still, they would need a quarterback, I would think. I don't know if Taysom Hill's the long-term answer there. I'm, I'm not sold on that idea. But even though uh, Sean Payton really likes him. But Drew Brees is in limbo right now. We haven't gotten a final word on Drew Brees. We had that rumor that he was going to join NBC starting this year, retire from the NFL, and broadcast Notre Dame games. But that had, none of that's been officially announced. So he, it sounds like he's still contemplating whether he wants to play in 2021. Uh, the other team that we haven't mentioned, the Raiders, look, uh, what would the Raiders trade to get him? I think John Gruden would love to have a quarterback like Russell Wilson. Uh, Derek Carr got a big contract years ago from the Raiders. He's been hit a lot. He's never lived up to his potential. Gruden's an offensive guy. But do the Raiders have enough to get him? And the other team, the Chicago Bears. So there's only really three teams in the running for Russell Wilson, realistically, and one of them's the Bears. And to add what John said, Matt Nagy was very coy, very coy in his press conference Uh, within the last few days saying, hey, you know what? I'm paraphrasing when I say this, of course, but hey, we're not sure yet on the quarterback situation. A lot of things can still happen at this point. He was very noncommittal. And when you leave a door open like that, that would make me think the Bears are thinking on something outside the box other than the draft or bringing back Mitchell Trubisky or going for a second tier player like they did last year with Nick Foles. And I mean, you mentioned too, John, about the, the what the Bears would need to get him. I think you'd have to give up Roquan Smith in a trade. I don't think they'd take Khalil Mack. I think you'd have to give up Roquan Smith or maybe an Eddie Jackson. And just to keep in mind what the Bears would probably have to part with here, I'm going to take you back to the Matthew Stafford, uh, Jared Goff trade. Now, I know there's a lot of people in the league who love Matthew Stafford. I don't. I think he's a slightly above average quarterback on a good day. I don't care that he played for the Lions. I think he's a little bit overrated. But this is what the, the Lions got back for Matthew Stafford they got back Jared Goff and that's a bad contract so you gave a bad contract and another stopgap quarterback back but they gave up a third round pick this year the Rams did they gave up a first round pick next year 
and a first-round pick in 2023. So to get Matthew Stafford, it took two first-rounders, it took a third-round pick, and it took at least a replacement-level starting quarterback in the NFL. Goff's not good, but you could do worse. It's a bad contract. So if Matthew Stafford brings that back, Oh, who knows what Russell Wilson's going to get back uh, to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the only thing that's going to hold up maybe some of that compensation, the idea that Wilson's basically limited it to three teams. And if the Saints say, I'm not playing ball, and the Raiders for some reason say, I'm not playing ball, and it's only the Bears saying, hey, we're in, then all of a sudden the Bears can say to Seattle, you got a disgruntled quarterback who wants out. you got nobody else to trade with. He's not going anywhere else. So we're not going to give you a King's Ransom back in exchange for Russell Wilson. We'll give you a lot, but we're not going to give you, uh, the, you know, the greatest draft capital like Her- the Herschel Walker trade from yesteryear between the Cowboys and Vikings, which turned out to be a disaster for Minnesota. So Wilson's a great player. I think he'd probably be at least statistically the best Bears quarterback of all time, albeit this is a different era of the NFL. It's not run first down, run second down like in yesteryear. But he's certainly the best Bears quarterback since Jim McMahon. There's no doubt about that. I don't care what you say about Eric Kramer or Jay Cutler the year or two he was above average or Jim Miller's one good year. Uh, this would be a, a home run trade for Ryan Pace and company and might be the trade that saves their job if uh, they can keep that defense together. So I think this would be a good move for the Bears. I'm not convinced it's done, but uh, they're going to have to give up a lot to get Russell Wilson, John, if that's the case. They're going to bring him to Chicago, even with a limited amount of teams that Wilson would want to go to. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, something that you touched on briefly that you need to mention is that I think a lot of teams are learning the perils of dealing with the quarterback in kind of a laissez-faire way, if you will, like the Houston Texans did with Deshaun Watson. Look at the situation they're in. They gave him a boatload of money. They drafted him high. They've made a couple playoff runs. And now he's essentially bad-mouthing the entire organization, causing a stir. I guarantee if he doesn't get traded, he's going to hold out and he'll probably not show up until the first uh, or last uh, preseason game if they and play the preseason this year so that's something that has to be accounted for when you're a franchise now is if a quarterback is either informally or formally or internally or externally suggesting that they want out you got to mitigate that situation one way or another and I don't think you know Russell Wilson has has ever been called a a bad presence in the locker room he's a leader he's a a very vocal and supportive guy for his team so I, I don't think the Seahawks would be headed towards a bad breakup situation necessarily but if you know that he wants to get out and they're dealing with the Bears or or one other team like you just mentioned Jason you're right this price might be a little bit lower than people think and what the Bears have going for them is they do have some young players there's really no concept of prospects in the NFL I mean you go to the baseball games and and you see some of the trades that happened in the MLB season there's guys that are 16 15 years old in the minors or in a foreign country that have signed a contract with the team and get moved for a pitcher in the major leagues uh, around the deadline that doesn't happen in the NFL everybody who has value is usually on the field but the Bears do have a handful of prospects Um, you know a guy like you you mentioned Roquan Smith young linebacker really kind of stepped into his own this past season on the defense as some of the older pieces around him were starting to slip a little bit I mentioned Jalen Johnson at cornerbacks a fantastic young prospect on the defensive side of the ball here's a name that I would be pretty okay with uh, departing with and I think he's probably the truest version of a prospect that the Bears have had in a long time Cole Komet 
I mean, you know that uh, Seattle loves their tight ends. Uh, Jimmy Graham, who's on the Bears now, you know, went there after his career with uh, the Saints ended and had some decent success. And guys like Greg Olson and, and a, a number of other players have found success in the offense that Pete Carroll likes to run up there in Seattle. So maybe him being a young Pretty inexperienced at this point. He hasn't really shown up a lot in the stat sheet, but I believe he's under 23 years old or 24 years old, has a little bit of NFL experience. Maybe he can run wild. So they do have some pieces. I really am not looking forward to them trading any more draft picks because I feel like that's how we got into this situation for the first place. But I want to go back to what you said about the Jay Cutler trade, Jason, because as much as that trade didn't pan out, maybe the way people thought, the Bears gave up uh, Kyle Orton, a pair of first-round picks, and a third-rounder to the Broncos back in 2009 for Jay Cutler. I would take that era of the Bears 10 times out of 10 over what we've had to watch these last few years with Trubisky, Foles, uh, Glennon, and and just this uh, parade of loser quarterbacks. It just it's, it's not a fun brand of football to watch, even if I feel like they gave up too much to get Russell Wilson, even if I feel like they may have mortgaged their future a little bit to get Wilson in a Bears uniform. I would feel confident for the next three or four years, however many deal uh, years Wilson has on his deal, and he would be in Chicago for I would feel confident every game that they took the field that we were going to get above average, if not great quarterback play, which in Chicago is absolutely uh, too rare. It just does not happen in my lifetime that I feel good about who's under center game in and game out. And I would with Russell Wilson. So even if they have to stretch a little bit as a Bears fan, I think I speak for a lot of us. It would just be such a, a breath of fresh air, as you mentioned, might save Matt Nagy's job. But even if it doesn't now, if you're going to hunt down a new coach or a new offensive system next year you don't have to sell them on the fact that you've got you know nobody under contract besides Nick Foles you you probably have a middle of the road draft pick again next year you've got Russell Wilson a little bit of talent around him now that you locked up Allen Robinson in the franchise tag you've got something to work with there so I think there would be people lining up to take the Bears job next year if Nagy doesn't work out if they know they had Russell Wilson to work with yeah, as far as Cutler goes, I, this is a home run, and Jay Cutler was a was a bunt single. I mean, when you think about what Cutler brought to the Bears, he was there for eight years. They made the playoffs one time. He ironically beat Seattle uh, the divisional playoffs that year before he got hurt in that loss to the Packers at Soldier Field in the NFC Championship game. But yeah, if you're looking at what this brings to the Chicago Bears, it brings stability to quarterback, probably again for the first time, truly when looking back on it since the early to mid 80s when they had Jim McMahon and he was never even healthy anyway but if the Bears finally can say we've got a franchise quarterback under center and I I think the one thing John touched on there is Matt Nagy look I, I trust Russell Wilson I trust the Bears defense I don't trust Matt Nagy I mean Matt Nagy this remind this will remind me a lot of Brett Favre going to the Minnesota Vikings and being coached by Brad Childress Brett Favre is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time Brad Childress was a totally incompetent head coach and it was uh, it, the Vikings winning in spite of Brad Childress. If the Bears win with Russell Wilson, it'll be in spite of Matt Nagy. And, and I, I chuckle when I say this because I remember a game. It was a Monday night game. The Bears were playing the Vikings at Soldier Field. It was, I believe, the 2009 season. And, and, and Brett Favre is – Brad Childress is sending guys on the field, and Brett Favre is waving them off like, what are you doing? Just let me run the offense. These aren't the guys I need in the hurry-up situation. And I could totally see Russell Wilson doing the same thing to Matt Nagy, who to me is clueless most of the times he puts on that headset trying to call plays or run that offense. But, yeah, on paper, this is great for the Bears. I think any Bears fan who thinks rationally about this would want it to happen. You have to give up a lot, but for Russell Wilson, you go ahead and do it. Again, he's a guy in his early 30s, and – 
He truly is something you just don't get in Chicago really ever, a franchise quarterback. So if this happens, it's a great move. Bears fans should totally have a a very happy St. Patrick's Day if this thing's announced uh, coming up next Wednesday or even it's rumored to happen and it happens in the days and weeks ahead. But, John, before we get to the college basketball, I do got to ask you about Dak Prescott because uh, you think of Russell Wilson, and he is a proven winner in the National Football League. I mean, he's won the one Super Bowl. He's been to a bunch of NFC Championship games. Uh, they shouldn't have lost that second Super Bowl. I know I know Wilson threw the pick on the goal line, but really, if, if you just run at beast mode with Marshawn Lynch, you beat the Patriots and win back-to-back Super Bowls. But you look at this Dak Prescott deal, he gets a four-year, $160 million contract with $126 million guaranteed. Now, I think Dak Prescott's an above-average NFL quarterback, but again, this is not a guy that I would have given a four-year $160 million contract to with $126 million guaranteed money. It's not like he's been good for the Cowboys, but it's not like this guy's Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or whoever you want to name in that elite quarterback class in the National Football League, even Tom Brady at this point. I, I, I think this is one move I think is really good for the Bears because, number one, I don't think Dallas, I know they're not in the same division. I don't see them just tearing things up with Dak Prescott and all of a sudden what they haven't been with him, a Super Bowl contender, all of a sudden he's got a new deal. They become a Super Bowl contender. And also it eliminates one quarter of the competition to get Russell Wilson. Absolutely. And and I think you have to contextualize this signing or this extension for Dak Prescott a little bit differently, considering that he plays in the NFC East. If you're Jerry Jones and you're looking around, you know, your immediate competition, your peers here, uh, what are you going up against uh, for half of your schedule every year? Well, you've got a question mark in Washington right now with the Washington football team. However, uh, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I did place a bet on them to land Deshaun Watson. So if this happens, uh, I will be very happy. Uh, but for right now, they don't have Deshaun Watson. They don't have Alex Smith. They let him go earlier this week. So now you don't know what's going to come out of that offense. And, and they have a huge question mark at quarterback until they do something to sure it up. Uh, New York has got Daniel Jones, who I think everyone's ready to say is not the long-term solution there. Maybe better than people expected him to be. Maybe not the worst quarterback in the NFL, but certainly not the game changer that they drafted him to be. And then, of course, in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz was just shown the door. Um, you know, you've got Jalen Hurts waiting to be the next quarterback of the Eagles, but in a limited sample size, he didn't necessarily seem like he was 100% ready to lead an NFL team either. So there's a lot going on here. You really have to decide uh, which direction you're going to take if you're the Cowboys. I don't have a problem with them shoring up the most important position in in sports, uh, the quarterback, and the most important position that's going to help them get through this division. So it's a lot of money. And Dak Prescott, like you mentioned, Jason, is not a Super Bowl winner uh, sitting out there waiting to get a big contract renewal. He is a up-and-down guy, and this injury that he suffered this past season is certainly a big question mark to give all that money. Who knows how he's going to heal? Who knows how he's going to come back? But there are worse options than Dak Prescott. Excuse me. There are worse options than Dak Prescott. I'm pretty sure about that. What I'm not <laughs> sure about is whether or not he's going to uh, get $100 million worth of uh, production uh, for the Cowboys. But you got to think in Big D, the only thing that matters is that they make the playoffs and that obviously win a Super Bowl. So if they can get one in the next four years, and based on what I just laid out about the other quarterbacks in his division, if he's a 500 quarterback, I think you're competing for a division championship every single year. At least that's what we've seen lately from the NFC East. So maybe they're they're shooting a little too high with this deal, but I still think you're going to see Dak in the in the postseason more often than not, unless there's a huge jump by the rest of the teams in his division. 
Well, I do agree with you, John, that you can do a lot worse than Dak Prescott. He's certainly an upper echelon quarterback in the NFL. I just I just think it's too much money for a guy that I don't think is guaranteed to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback or really that guy to get you there. But but we know this. If there's a bad decision to be made in the NFL, Jerry Jones is going to make that bad decision. I mean, he's been running the Dallas Cowboys as the general manager since he fired Jimmy Johnson in the mid-1990s. They won the one Super Bowl with, with Johnson's players and credit Barry Switzer. He came in. They asked him what he did to coach that team. He said pretty much everything that Jimmy Johnson had been doing. I didn't change anything. And after that, the Dallas Cowboys haven't sniffed a Super Bowl. I mean, w- with all the moves over the years, I mean, I know they brought Bill Parcells in there for a few years. They had Wade Phillips as their head coach. Uh, Jerry Jones had a lot more patience with Jason Garrett than I think anybody expected him to. He was more of a, a Daniel Snyder-type owner firing coaches left and right before that, but he kept Garrett around because he liked Jason Garrett probably from his playing days with the Cowboys, the longtime backup of Troy Aikman uh, during the glory years. And Garrett never got them to even the NFC Championship game and would have one good year and one bad year. And now he, I mean, the Mike McCarthy hiring, you could see that a mile away that that was going to be a terrible hire. The players weren't into that hire when it first happened. And, and, And during the season, there were players on the Dallas Cowboys saying anonymously that that team wasn't prepared. The coaches weren't getting them ready to play. So I don't have much confidence in the Cowboys to do much in the in the coming years. Uh, not just because of Prescott. I think he's probably their be- one of the best things going. It's more Jerry Jones running the team, Mike McCarthy coaching it, at least for this coming season. But for me, it's just a, it's a money issue. I just look at it and I say, those resources are better spent. But John makes a really good point. In, in the NFL... Again, Dak Prescott's probably, when he's healthy, you'd say a top 10 quarterback, and those things are hard to find. And if you're not going to pay up for him, somebody is. And with the franchise tag, you're going to pay him a lot of money anyway. So we'll see how it works out. For Cowboys fans, I hope it does. But it might not really be Prescott what decides that franchise. It's hiring guys like Mike McCarthy as the head coach and also having Jerry Jones pick the players, and he hasn't done overall a very good job of that in a quarter of a century. Let's take a break here on State Lines. He's John Spataro. I am Jason Gotcha. we come back, hey, it's March Madness NCAA Tournament. We are based in Illinois, and the Illini are flying high this year. This is our best team since they made it to the title game and nearly beat Carolina in 2005. We'll talk about this year's Illini in the tournament right after this. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right, all it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app and use code ILSports to get your shot to turn $1 into $100. That's code ILSports for new customers. Only at DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Illinois only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four dollars free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLE. We welcome you back to State Lines, where you get the best gambling information out there. He is John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. Get the basketball out, put the hoop up. It's getting warmer in the Midwest. You can go outside and shoot some hoops, and then you can come inside and watch NCAA college basketball. 
the tournament right around the corner uh, this weekend. They're going to be playing all the conference tournaments from the major leagues. So, John, let's keep it right here in state to start this thing off. Uh, Illinois and Brad Underwood, they put together the best season the school has had in college hoops since they nearly won the championship with Bruce Weber coaching them back in 2005. They lost to Carolina that year. A real squeaker in that title game. But Illinois has been great all season. They're 20-6 and overall entering the Big Ten tournament. They're 16-4 and in the Big Ten. Uh, they won three games without their star, Ayo Dosumu. Uh, he got injured in, in the game against Michigan State, and then they still managed to beat, you know, Wisconsin. They managed to, you know, knock off Nebraska, who's that's not a great win, but it's still you win it without your superstar. And, and then they, the, the one that really surprised me was without Dosumu, they went into Michigan and just embarrassed the Wolverines. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy for Illini fans because Michigan technically is the regular season co Big Ten champion, just regular season Big Ten champs. Illinois wanted to be the co-Big Ten champs because they beat Michigan and they played more games and won more games. But these rules were decided upon before the season started. Pandemic rules, the winner of the Big Ten regular season was going to be decided by percentage points, by winning percentage. And Michigan had a better winning percentage. So I don't have a problem with Illinois not getting a share of the co-Big Ten regular season title. I know Josh Whitman, the Illini AD, and Brad Underwood and all those guys would disagree with me. But let's be honest, this is not a big deal at all. What matters now is the conference tournament, the NCAA tournament. If I asked you guys, if I asked the audience, name the last five Big Ten regular season champions, I guarantee we'd probably have, of the thousands of people listening, we'd probably have two people answer that correctly because nobody remembers anyway. So that's not a big deal to me. What is a big deal is at this point, the way Illinois has played, on Friday night they're playing Indiana or Rutgers. The winner of that game plays the Illini in the quarterfinals. I think, John, that Illinois is locked in as a number one seed at this point. The only way they could possibly lose a number one seed would be to lose to Indiana or Rutgers. And still at this point, even if they lost that game, based on Gonzaga, I think is a lock, of course, is a one seed. Baylor is going to get a one seed. Illinois is going to get a one seed. And then you got a lot of Big Ten teams, Michigan and also Ohio State and Iowa, fighting, I think, for another number one seed. So based on what Illinois has done, I mean, they just beat Michigan. Uh, they just beat Ohio State on the road in the regular season finale. I don't know how you don't put the Illini as a number one seed no matter what happens in this Big Ten tournament. So what I'm saying is things are looking good for the Illini, and I think they got a number one seed locked up. I agree with you. I think that that game last Saturday, uh, which was between uh, the Illini and Ohio State, uh, and Ohio State was a play-in game to be a number one seed. I think that was the toss-up game. I think Michigan's pretty safe, uh, despite getting their you-know-what handed to them on their home court by the Illini, like you mentioned. I think that game was the you know decider between the two Big Ten teams who were uh, caught between being a two and a one seed. And uh, what a game that was. I mean, if you missed it, just uh, to see that ending moment of Ayodesumu, mask and all, get the and one to really put the Buckeyes away. Uh, really a, a capstone and an excellent exclamation point on what has to be the best regular season for the Illini, like you mentioned, since 2005. And Illini fans, I know that, you know, you've been a little upset lately trying to get excited about uh, the program, but this is a true blue contender for the national championship, in my opinion, and I'll tell you why. There's a lot of teams that are going to be one seeds and two seeds, uh, but they have a lot of different uh, paths to get here. For example, like you mentioned, Jason, Michigan and the Illini are on paper, you know, co or fake 
Drake uh, Co. Uh, Big Ten regular season champions. Obviously, the Illini would look at it one way and Michigan would look at it another way. But like you mentioned, uh, U of I's played more games. They are more tested. They've been on the court more times in high-pressure situations. And they, although don't have a better winning percentage, I would take more games and more action than a better uh, or cleaner record, if you will. Look at a team like Baylor. I believe last time I checked, they've played close to eight or nine less games in their conference uh, than Kansas, who's the number two in that conference. And they lost to Kansas just a few weeks back, did Baylor. So there's going to be a lot of teams trying to handle maybe struggling for the first time in the tournament. There's going to be a lot of teams that are, you know, haven't really lost uh, any games recently. I'm looking at you, Gonzaga, and, you know, maybe struggle when you're only up about five or six points at halftime or you're down late in the second half. Maybe some of these teams haven't experienced things like that. I know that the Illini have. They have really seen it all. I mean, they've uh, lost games that they should have won. They've won games that they should have lost. They lost their star player for a key stretch down the the to finish the season here, like you mentioned, Jason, and, and took it in stride and went into Michigan, which to me is essentially a NCAA tournament game, probably an Elite Eight game or Final Four, depending on how the bracket comes out. But they absolutely blew the doors off the Wolverines who uh, up until that point hadn't even really looked challenged in the Big Ten. So I'm all aboard the Illini train. I really do think that this team it just has everything to it. I mean, they've got good role players. They've got the star power. Brad Underwood looks cool as a cucumber on the sidelines when it comes to keeping this team focused on track. And again, if you did miss it, go back and watch uh, the layup and one that I referenced uh, from DeSumo against Ohio State. The entire bench, I think, comes about 40 yards off the court uh, to, to mob their team and their teammate after that basket goes in. They are so bought into this program. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with no matter which seed they get. But I do think they're a number one no matter what, and I'm excited to see how far that takes them. One thing to add to what John said is when you look at the NCAA tournament this time of year, I always look to teams and see how many NBA players are on their roster. And the Illini definitely have two of them. Uh, I would assume was going to play in the NBA and Kofi Coburn is going to play in the NBA. And then you look like a guy like a sixth man off the bench, like Andre Curbelo, a young guy. He, he's possibly as a future at the next level. So the talent level is there for Illinois. This isn't one of those, oh, we've got five seniors. They've been together for a long, long time. They're an overachieving group, which matters. Look, that, that team will go and win three games, maybe in four games to an NCAA tournament, uh, a bracket, and they might even get to a Final Four. But when you're looking about teams to win the national championship, you're looking for that talent that takes you to the next level. And Illinois has that. Now, they say three NBA players is ideal to get you an NCAA championship, have three NBA players on your roster, and pretty decent ones, too, that you project them to be. But Illinois has got two of them. And look, Coburn's a force to be reckoned with. Look, they won that game at Michigan by over 20 points without Io DeSumo. And I just keep harping on that because that really is amazing when all the hype Michigan has gotten, they get destroyed on their own floor by an Illinois team without its best player. And you look at the odds right now, and Gonzaga is plus 250 to win the championship. Baylor's plus 275. Michigan is at 450, plus 450. The Illini are plus 900. So the odds makers are giving Michigan a little bit more respect than Illinois right now as far as winning the title. Alabama's plus 1,300. Oklahoma State's plus 1,300. Iowa's plus 1,500. And Ohio State's plus 1,500. So four of these eight teams are Big Ten teams. And the only thing I might disagree with John a little bit on is I'm not sure Michigan's got that one seed locked up because I do think if either Michigan or Illinois does not win the Big Ten tournament, 
and either Ohio State or Iowa do, they're going to get a one seed because they're going to give it. To, those teams are close enough now. They're both two seeds right now. So if they win, one of those teams ends up winning the Big Ten tournament, and they very well, very well may. I mean, this is one of those things. Anything can happen. It's it's three days of from the quarterfinals to the championship, back-to-back games. Crazy things always happen, especially on the Friday quarterfinal of the Big Ten tournament with the four games. So I, I think if Iowa or Ohio State win, the Big Ten Championship in the tournament, then I think either Michigan or Illinois gets knocked off that number one seed line. And I think at this point, you'd have to knock off Michigan because of the fact that Illinois just beat them at their own place without their star player by over 20 points here in the month of March. I don't know how you'd put Michigan ahead of Illinois at this point, but uh, that's just my opinion, though, John. If you look at these teams that I'm talking about here for the NCAA tournament, as far as the odds that I mentioned, I look at Gonzaga and say, if Mark Few's not going to do it this year, I don't know what year he's going to do it. Uh, but with that being said, I, I think, you know, I think Illinois has a great chance doing Michigan could do it. It's really kind of a wide open year for me with these top teams. Right. I, I've heard a, a popular bet or a uh, you know, popular, popular way to phrase this um, tournament is, are you going to take Gonzaga or, or are you going to take the field? And I think there's a little bit to that. You, you mentioned that uh, if Mark Few doesn't do it this year, uh, who knows when he's going to. I just, I'm still not bought into Gonzaga, man. I, I really wish I was. I, you know, I like everything that they do. I, I have no, um, you know, real problems with their program. But I think, again, uh, you're going from playing in in the WCC, which is uh, you know a great conference in its own right. It has uh, a, you know a little bit of prestige and and it's got some tough teams. But they just walk through that conference every year, end up a one seed, and then you got to start playing some some much different games in much different environments. Specifically this year, um, you, you know you know you're playing in Indianapolis and and you're playing in uh, a, a pro stadium up from I don't know the the 2,500 seat stadium that fits some of their conference mates. Um, no disrespect meant by that, but it's just a different type of game. And I think that there's a lot of teams that may be better than their record in the uh, undercard of this tournament. You know, the 8 to 16 seeds are really uh, just a toss-up of, of how many games you were able to fit in this year and how well you did in the face of adversity. I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I would guess there's not a single team in the NCAA entire field, you know, going for the teams that don't even make the tournament that weren't affected somehow, somehow, way by COVID this year. Got a game rescheduled, had a player miss a game, had a, a, the team shut down a practice for a week or two. I mean, there just has to be a, a ton of that going on across the NCAA right now. So I'm not really looking at records like you used to when it comes to tournament time, because when everyone's playing the same amount of games guaranteed and everyone's playing the same teams guaranteed because of the conference schedule, you can do a little bit more A-B comparison. How did this team fare against that team? But like I mentioned, just look at the Big 12. Baylor, uh, they were undefeated until they lost to Kansas in the Big 12, but they had, ended, at that point, I believe, played eight less games than the Jayhawks in the Big 12. So how do you really judge those teams appropriately? We just talked about it in the Big 10 as well, Illinois versus Michigan. So there's a lot of that going on. I, I don't have a necessarily a sleeper team for you that I think is going to be the big upset and, and Cinderella. I would say from the betters' perspective, this season it is very important to wait and uh, you know make sure that everybody's on the court that you think is going to be on the court for these tournament games. I think they're going to do a good job in Indianapolis and Indiana as a whole getting the tournament off, but we just saw 
saw this week, Duke was making a charge to the tournament through the ACC tournament, and they have shut down their program for the year. They're done because they had a, a player test positive for COVID today, Thursday, March 11th. So that could happen. I mean, that that that's just bound to happen if this is, virus is still out there and the teams are still going to be tested every day. I would just say there's going to be some craziness. I, I would try to adopt some unconventional thinking if you used to have a strategy when it comes to the tournament because we could be in for some wild swings and you never know when a guy's going to test positive. So I would always be careful before you put any, you know, long shot bets out there that you think a, a hot team from, you know, the, the Sun Belt or something like that is going to come and, and ruin some Cinderella plans. Uh, just make sure you know who's playing and who's not, because I think we're in for some of that uh, come tournament time. Yeah, that's an excellent point, John. We you, you don't know how this virus is going to affect this event, and it is really, really what a difference a year makes. If we would have been doing this show uh, in the NFL offseason last year, we would have been doing a show today about how everything in sports had been shut down and nobody would have saw that coming even a week or two prior to the shutdown in late February, early March, 2020. And sports was on hiatus for quite a, uh, a long time. Some of these sports, baseball into July, as a matter of fact, hockey into August, but and there was no NCAA tournament. But uh, the word coming in early March that the Big Ten tournament is going to allow limited fans. Limited fans are allowed in this event in Indy. The NCAA tournament's going to have limited fans. So Illinois, a team that did not allow fans at home for their home games this year, uh, they're going to be playing in front of some fans, and that's a good thing, I think. It's... it's, it's uh, it's looking like a return to normalcy should happen sooner rather than later, and that's a good thing. And uh, the Arch Madness tournament, the MVC tournament, Missouri Valley, that Loyola Chicago won, and we're going to talk about them here in just a second, uh, they had fans down at Enterprise Center in St. Louis for that event, and limited fans. And it's nice to see some people in the stands and making some noise. But real quick, before we get to Loyola, one team, not necessarily a sleeper, but they're a little bit down there on the odds. I would keep an eye on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, at 15 to 1, they've got the best player in the country in Luca Garza. He averages about 24 points a game. He's going to win the Wooden Award. No disrespect to Io Dosumu, who's a great player, too. But but Garza's got that award locked up. He just won Big Ten Player of the Year. And when you got a guy like him, I think Iowa's got a decent shot. I don't know if they're going to win the title, but it might be worth it if you're going to Vegas. You know, 10 bucks to win 150. That doesn't sound like a bad bet for me when I look at uh, teams a little bit down on the odds chart if you're looking for a winner of the NCAA tournament, or even maybe whatever bracket they get into to actually win that bracket. The odds might be, you know, even money. And I like uh, what Garza's had a great career. There's no doubt about it. Fran McCaffrey, their coach, is an irritating guy. I think anybody who plays against Iowa, they're a fan of a team against Iowa, would say that. But he gets a lot of those guys, and Garza's a superstar. No doubt about that. Now, John, before we move on to some golf betting, because I know you got some bets out there for the players uh, this weekend. Let's talk a little bit about Loyola. Porter Moser has done a great job with that program. Uh, they made the tournament in 2018, made it all the way to the Final Four. Uh, that wonderful story, Sister Jean going all the games, and God bless her. She's over 100 years now, old now, and she's still cheering on her Ramblers. And who knows, maybe she'll be able to make an appearance in Indianapolis this year if she gets those COVID shots on time. I, I read that she would like to do that and be with the Ramblers once again. But they, they've got it. They're a good story. I mean, Lucas Williamson's a nice player for Loyola. Uh, Cameron Crutwig, you could argue, he was the best player in the Valley this year. Big guy who was on that Final Four team as well so uh, you look at Loyola I don't think they're gonna go to the final four this year but certainly they could depending on their seed uh winning a game or two in the big in, in, or rather in the NCAA tournament winning a game or two that's not out of the question for the Ramblers uh they got the experience and the coaching prowess to do just that 
Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, I going back to what I just said about playing in maybe some smaller arenas and being able to rise up to the occasion and, uh, you know, grow into a, a bigger program than you might be. Uh, Loyola did that just a few years ago. And you mentioned Cameron Crutwig is still on this team. He still has the experience uh, from that uh, magical run. So hopefully he'll be able to impart some wisdom onto his teammates. But you really got to give this team credit. I mean, they didn't lose for over a month between January 11th and uh, February 14th. So they were on a tip in the MVC uh, they did s- seem to slow down a little bit on offense towards the end of the year they had to eke out some wins uh, in overtime over Southern Illinois and actually lost an overtime game to Drake uh, that was their last regular season loss but yeah it- it's really a great story for po- Porter Moser and the group I mean you got to really uh, admire a guy like Moser who came out of nowhere you know maybe respected within the basketball community but came out of nowhere to get to the final four probably had I don't know you name it uh, offers on his desk uh, to go anywhere in the country. He chose to stay local to Loyola. Uh, he may not be there forever, especially if, like you said, he racks up two or three more wins uh, in the NCAA tournament. I'm sure those offers will increase, and I'm sure that phone will be ringing off the hook. But really got to like a guy like that who's had some success at a, a smaller program. You know, if you've been up to the north side of the city, uh, Loyola is a beautiful place to spend a few years, uh, but really uh, totally outkicking his coverage when it comes to performance in the NCAA tournament to me if he gets a couple more wins this year. I don't think, like you mentioned, this team is as good as the team from a few years ago that made the Final Four. But you got a, a returning senior from that team who can you know, guide this, uh, this group of guys into the unknown and, and hopefully uh, reignite the magic that they caught just a few years back. So we'll see. I, I'm interested to see who they get matched up with. I, I think that um, they've got some size and they've got some ability to match up with, you know, say, a Big Ten team or a Big 12 team. Uh, but it's all about matchups in the first round and how you play against uh, the team you're given so I'm anxious to see where they fall probably at eight or nine or ten seed depending on how the rest of the field shakes out Uh, but another great year for the Ramblers to get back to the tournament yeah and Loyola projected in a lot of the bracketology out there to be maybe an eight or a nine seed I guess if things fell their way with some of the conference tournament stuff they could actually bump up to a seven but I kind of doubt it I would see them as an eight or a nine somewhere and that's a little bit difficult because if you're an eight or a nine your second round game is against a one seed but again this this is one of those tournaments that looks to be uh pretty wide open when you glance at it overall and and yeah it's nice to have actually John when you look at this before we get to your golf stuff Teams from the state of Illinois in the NCAA tournament, for so many times in recent years, we've had complete droughts where uh, the state of Illinois would be completely shut out of the NCAA tournament. I mean, you'd see Wisconsin in there, Michigan State always. They're probably their they're, they're borderline team this year. But, you know, you'd have teams from the state of Indiana in there. You'd have, you know... Uh, the state of Washington put multiple teams in the tournament and, and the state of Illinois that completely shut out of the, you know, a big state, diverse state. As far as you think about uh, the college basketball programs and big time, uh, you know, universities, whether it be Southern or U of I, or even, you know, Loyola or DePaul or Northwestern, you know, these teams couldn't Bradley, they couldn't find a way in. And a lot of times in recent years. So it's nice to see the, the state of Illinois well represented this year with Illinois and Loyola. All right, let's get to it right now, John, before we close out this show. Let's talk a little bit about golf betting. Now, the Players' Championship is this weekend. You are a big golf guy, I know. So you you like the golf betting action. Uh, The Masters is right around the corner in early April, and a lot of people like to bet on that as well. But give us the insight into what you look for in golf betting and what you've got going on here in the Players' this weekend. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this is a fun, uh, you know, little informative segment that we can do here that I can enlighten some people who are maybe intimidated about betting on golf or really don't understand what's available to you to bet on golf. Because when you look at an NBA or a college basketball game, you see two teams, you see a point spread, you know, a differential, and you see a total. And, and that's really, you know, the main things that you bet on uh, in, a, in a basketball game is who's going to win by how much and how many total points are going to be scored. But when it comes to golf, I would recommend, you know, anybody within reason and we're always playing responsibly here on state lines to consider doing you know a little bit of of fun betting uh with the golf tournament i love the players I, I think it's an absolutely incredible tournament i'm a big fan of tpc sawgrass the course always looks in great shape and then of course the infamous 17th hole the island green is is much watched must watch television when it comes to saturday and sunday so if you are going to be sitting on the couch watching a, a game this week uh, excuse me, a, a little bit of golf this weekend, I would recommend taking a look at what's available on some of your books. I'm just going to talk specifically about DraftKings here. Here are some of the things that I bet on this weekend that I think uh, people might not realize uh, that you can bet on one and two, the payouts that come with it. So a fun bet that I put down $10 on, yes, there will be an albatross recorded in the tournament. Now golfers uh, will know that an albatross is incredibly rare um, and it's kind of harder to get than a hole, in, a hole in one. I will throw that take out into the universe. I think an albatross is more impressive than a hole-in-one. Well, what is it? It is when you score two on a par five. So you get five strokes to finish the hole, and you only use two of them. Now, usually that means you hit a driver about 300 yards, and then you hit a three wood or a hybrid or a very long iron uh, for the remainder of the the hole and just by the grace of God it hits the right angle on the green and rolls in so if that happens if any player at any point in this tournament and it could have already happened uh, while the tournament is going on while we're talking right now I would cash $120 so $10 into 120 just if an albatross hits I've also bet that there will be more than two hole in ones hit in the entire tournament this weekend so again not betting on a specific player all I'm doing is saying any player at any time will hit a hole-in-one twice. Um, not a single player hitting twice, but there will be two hole-in-ones by any player in the field uh, t uh, this this weekend. And uh, for that one, I bet uh, $5 to win 18.75 or $18.75, if you will. So you can have fun with it. There's ways to get these golf bets up to, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars if you hit. For example, you know, you, you can look at different things like who's going to be the top Australian player to finish in the field uh, who's going to be the top English player who's going to be the top American player and if you get creative and you do some parlays it kind of turns into uh, horse racing if you think of it that way if you bet uh, that three players are going to finish into the top five just like you would a horse race you could get odds that are plus 1,000 plus 3,000 5,000 10,000 and when you're dealing with those types of odds one one dollar can turn into real money real quick now the long shots are there obviously i'm not saying uh that these are necessarily likely to happen but i would download DraftKings or fanduel or, or whatever app you prefer and take a look at what's available in the golf betting section because there's a lot of it this is a big tournament so they're going to have even more than they normally would for a normal tour stop but as we're approaching major season this is kind of the you know the little brother fourth major even though it's the first one every year is the players but the masters they're going to have even more bets I, i'm assuming 
assuming, uh, as with the PGA and the U.S. Open. So if you've never touched golf betting before, I would recommend, you know, start small, 50 cents, $1, whatever the minimum bet is. But you can end up winning a lot of money if you guess the right positions on the leaderboard or if you guess that some unlikely things are going to happen. Like I said, with the Holden ones and the Albatross, a lot of fun to be had. And if you're a golf fan, it's a great way to add a little bit of excitement while you're sitting on your couch watching golf Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, and with the NFL done, except for betting on the NFL draft and things like that, and maybe where Russell Wilson, if that pops on the board again, where he ends up, or who knows, by the time we talk again, he might be a member of the Chicago Bears. We can only dream. And with college basketball wrapping up in a couple weeks, if you're not in the NBA or hockey or baseball betting, certainly golf provides an interesting alternative, as John said. It's a relaxing way to spend a Saturday and Sunday afternoon, especially those final two rounds lounging around, especially if you're in the upper Midwest, where sometimes in the spring the weather is not the greatest. You get a lot of rain, a lot of colder weather. Not freezing, thank goodness, but usually 40s and rainy days. Why not turn on the TV, look at one of those golf tournaments down south where it's sunny and 75 or 80 degrees. I wish you were there and maybe make a little money bet in golf, too. That'll do it for this edition of State Lines. He is John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. Great to always have you with us. You get the best gambling information on our program. We will talk to you soon, everybody. Thanks for listening. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.